Plead the blood. The blood, the blood. <laughs> a revelation of the blood. Thank you for a revelation of the blood. Nothing can wash away sin. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Oh, but the blood. The blood can wash away sin. The blood can wash away sin. Where there was the stain of sin, the blood of Jesus, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, can wash it away. Wash it away. No more stain. No more guilt. No more shame. Only the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Such an expression of your love for us. The blood. The blood. Oh God, we call attention to the blood that right now, right now, that blood of Jesus is sprinkled upon the mercy seat right before you, right there. The throne of grace. We come to meet with you there at that place, not on our works, not on our achievements, but we meet with you right there where Jesus sprinkled His blood so that your mercy could triumph over judgment. We look to you today to obtain mercy where we've missed it, based on the blood, laying it all before you. And as mercy washes over us, grace comes to light in all of its facets, in all of its power, in all of its understanding, in all of its influence, to help us in time of need. Thank you for the blood. Holy Spirit, give us wisdom and a revelation, and spiritual understanding of your will for our life based on the blood. That we might rise above that which the enemy has brought to bind us, to hold us back, to weigh us down, to understand the true liberty by which Christ has made us free, that we might begin to walk in that freedom like never before. And in that freedom, we begin to proclaim through our freedom, through the power that we walk in over sin, the authority, and the demonstrations of the Spirit of God. We are lights. We are walking, talking, revelation of what the blood can do when it washes away sin. So we thank you. Thank you for utterance to speak as we ought to speak concerning these things of life that you have for us. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us that we truly might grow by your word. We might be impacted by it. We might be empowered by your spirit. That we would walk in a different way. We would talk in a different way. That we might be lights and examples to those who don't know you. So we thank you for the lives that will come to know Jesus. Simply because we've come together. 
we've embraced your word. We've worshipped you. We've allowed you to influence our life, our thinking. And we give you the glory and the honor and the praise and the thanksgiving for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Welcome. We're so glad that you're here this morning. We want to welcome everybody who's joining us by live stream. We want to welcome our Meeker campus. We're so glad that you are with us this morning. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And then you can be seated. Praise the Lord. What a, a great day. What a great time of worship. Aren't you thankful for the blood? Aren't you thankful for the blood? Come on, we acknowledge the blood, not because we have to, but because it's really in our thinking when you acknowledge the blood. I like there's an old song, all heaven stands at attention. When we mention the name of Jesus, there's something about the name and what he's done for us and the blood that he shed for us that heaven starts moving. Heaven starts moving. Amen. And so uh, you, you say, you know what, I just want to see something uh, happen on my behalf. I, I need some things going. To acknowledge the blood of Jesus and what he's done for you begins to get things really, really moving. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, open your Bibles with me to uh, Isaiah chapter 26. We want to pick up here uh, where we have been here for the last uh, few weeks. And again, we're, we're having... Uh, some breaks in this. I want to remind you just again, uh, Friday night, uh, Saturday night, and Sunday, uh, you want to get here early. Uh, we're looking forward to some tremendous, tremendous meetings uh, in the next couple of weeks, and so avail yourself to, to those meetings. I believe there's impartation, there's revelation, there's understanding that comes to us as we avail ourselves to gifts in the body. And um, praise the Lord, it's going to be a, a, a really, really great time. Uh, young adults, uh, you know, I don't think we had, except for you, uh, we didn't have any married young adults. So I think there's some married young adults that you could benefit from learning about the awe of God. And so you could go ahead and get signed up. It's not a singles group. It's a young adults group. So you can sign up for that. And we're meeting on Fridays. We had a great time uh, on that. Tonight we'll be uh, uh, breaking deeper into Ephesians, the fifth chapter. So I invite you to come back tonight. So we are in a series of messages we've entitled, I Was Thinking. As Zane said, there's just a number of things here. But as we've launched into the series of messages, I was thinking, uh, how often do we sit and think about things, process things, yet we're never really understanding why we're processing, how we're processing. So one of the main points that we are, uh, and big ideas that we are thinking about uh, while we're thinking, while we're talking about this message, is really how we process or what our mindsets are. What is our mind set on? How did it get set like that? How did uh, what, what, what the Bible calls strongholds in our mind, how did, that, how did that come about? How did that get set within our thinking? How did that establish such a stronghold on us that sometimes it seems like we can't break free? Now, there's negative strongholds that the Bible talks about, casting down arguments in every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. But likewise, there are positive strongholds that the enemy cannot penetrate. Those would be strongholds that are things and thoughts and imaginations that go along with the obedience of what Christ has done for us. And so, really, the Bible says this over and over and over again. God talks to his people over and over and over again. And he says, remember 
the Lord your God. Remember the covenant. Remember the, the, the law or the words of God. Remember. And so often we're, we're like, ah, oh, man, I got to remember that. And so just that word right there doesn't mean to draw up from forgetfulness. Oh, man, I got to remember doesn't mean to draw up from forgetfulness. When God says, remember the Lord your God, remember the covenant, remember the commands, he's not talking about forget it and then draw it up. He's saying, keep in the forefront of your thinking. Keep in the forefront of your thinking. So if we keep in the forefront of our thinking, God, his covenant, his word to us, what the blood of Jesus has done for us, who he says we are, in him, because we've been engrafted in him, there's something that takes place concerning strength, concerning blessing, concerning healing, concerning prosperity, concerning all that God has said about us, to us, wants to do through us, and the, the revelation of how that happened through the blood of Jesus is all in there, but so many times we get consumed with thinking about so many other things, and we get our mind set on, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen in the economy? What's going to happen to me if, you know, there's so many worries that go on, our mind gets set on things contrary to the Word of God rather than the Word of God, and that sets up our decision-making, and our decision-making sets up the direction for our life, and our, the direction for our life sets up the destiny. And so, so often the enemy doesn't want us to pay much attention to our thinking. So many people can go on worrying about something that is negative day after day after day after day. And then when you say, why don't you meditate on the word of God? They say, I can't do that. But they meditate on what could happen day after day. Yet it's just a, a, a switch over to say, man, what God has done in Christ Jesus. Have you ever, ever had anybody do anything to you years ago? And you still think about it today. Don't raise your hand. See, you can think about what somebody did to you or what somebody did for you over and over and over again. And all God is asking us is to take first place what he has done for us through Jesus Christ and think about it day after day, year after year, month after month, whatever situation we're in, to put that in the forefront of our thinking so that everything that comes that would worry us, concern us, uh, try to overwhelm us, must go through the thinking of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And not displace it with what the enemy's doing, but take what the enemy's doing and totally overwhelm those thoughts with what God has done in Christ Jesus. So we get that mindset. So Isaiah uh, 26 verse 3 is, is our foundational text. And uh, says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for Yah the Lord is your everlasting strength. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, don't he, well, we'll start in verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And don't be conformed to this world. Say, I'm not conformed. Say, I'm not conforming. Say, I'm not conforming. Come on, we got to get a dogmatic thought. I'm not conforming because the world will press you in and you have to say, listen, I'm not conforming. That's right. <laughs> Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. Then in the renewing of your mind, the renovation of your mind, we said this in the first session that we had, the renovation of your mind. You're not just looking at the word and saying, you know, uh, I'm going to try to get a new thought pattern. When you renovate, there has to be a demo day. You're going to have to start to take apart old thoughts, old imaginations, take them apart, throw them down, and begin to rebuild a thought process. The renewing, the renovation of your mind so that you are able to distinguish or to prove the will of God for your life, right? The good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I like other translations that just say the will of God because we'll go, well, now I want, I'm going to see what I can get away with, what's permissible and what's perfect. But he doesn't really want you trying to parcel off what can I get away with and still be all right and what's the will of God. He wants us to know the full will of for our life that God has already determined that we walk in. And the will of God is good and not evil. The will of God is for a future and a hope. The will of God is to bless you and for you to live in blessing, not in cursing. And that's God's plan for your life. So you say, well, if it's God's plan for my life, why isn't it happening? Well, just start looking at what you're thinking about, what you're consumed with in your thinking and how that works, and you'll find out why we're not experiencing all that God has for us, because it hasn't become set in our mind. And so this perfect peace that he's talking about, this fulfillment of this perfect peace, is uh, really related in so many different ways. It's a mindset. And so just to, for, uh, just to renew our thinking what a mindset is, it's a set of beliefs that shape how you make sense of the world in yourself. It's a set of things that you have developed in believing that cause you to have shaped uh, or look at how you view the world and how you view yourself in the world. Now understand this, God has a mindset about you. God sees the world. God sees you in the world. He sees what Jesus has done for the whole world. He sees you in himself. And so he has a perspective that he desires to shape our life to be productive through him, by him, for him, and in him, in this world, while we're here. And so he wants us and has given us ways that we might think about that. These mindsets influence how you think, feel, and believe in any given situation. It means that what you believe or your faith in God or faith in something else about yourself impacts your success or failure. So, you know, John G. Lake, uh, it says he used to get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, God lives in this man. God lives in this man. So he had a mindset about who he was in Christ, who Christ was in him, that every time he looked in the mirror and saw the natural man, he reminded himself he had a view of himself in Christ. And he said it every single day, which shaped his success. That he had such a revelation of the life of God in him that he was able to attack or come at sickness and disease in such a way that he had so many miracles, so many documented healings through healing rooms because he had a revelation, a mindset, if you will, of who he was in Christ. And he wouldn't let any idea or thought of the enemy supersede that mindset. So it is possible to get a mindset so set on him yes, sir. that the revelation of that impacts how we live. Wow. So be it. 
totally impacts how we live. That we don't live up and down, we don't live all over based on circumstances, but we live consistently based on the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit within because we're so aware it's in the forefront of our thinking. Amen. And so we've been talking about this, that we have a number of different mindsets. You have a mindset of who you are personally in Christ. There's mindset about the church life. There's, mind, there's money mindsets. There's ministry mindsets. And there's marriage mindsets. We're going to attack some of that in the upcoming weeks. We're going to attack a marriage mindset today. So all you single people don't shut me off right now. Just because I said marriage mindset. We're going to unfold this. We're going to unpack this just a little bit uh, in this. But all these mindsets that I just mentioned, there's something unique about them. And they probably span farther than this. But when we're talking about our church relationships, we're talking about uh, money, how we think about that, that, that money that uh, is connected to us. When we start talking about uh, a ministry that God's called us to, when we talk about marriage, we talk about all those things. They all have to do with covenant. They all have to do with covenant. See, the world has really lulled us into a contract mindset. A contract mindset. And so we think, you know, everything, you know, uh, uh, Addison Bevere brought this up when he was with us, the mindset. We even get to the point in that mindset that we are transactional with God. Everything begins a transaction with God because everything in our life has become transactional. The, the difficulty is, is over the last uh, generation or so, even a contract, we figured out these things are about us and we don't have to honor a contract so much. We figure out how we can get out of it. Why? Because the life of all flesh is not in ink. The life of all flesh is not in ink. The life of all flesh is in the blood. It's in the blood. So we don't understand much about blood covenant. Even in the church, we're losing a grasp of blood covenant. But if we have blood covenant thinking, we think covenant-wise instead of just contractual or transactional. See, when we get just transactional thinking, we begin to think, what's in it for me? Now, put yourself on God's side just for a moment. Just for a moment, when we're talking about living in a godly marriage, we're thinking about our income and where we put our income, knowing where our treasure is, our heart is also. We think, uh, uh, when we think about serving Him within the church, and before we can do anything, we say, what's in it for me? After he has sent Jesus to bear all your sin, all your sickness, all your disease, to wash you from guilt, from shame, from hurt, from harm, and you say, wait a minute, before I take from my time, what's in it for me? He's got to be up there saying, what do you mean what's in it for you? I have poured out the blood of my only son. Jesus says, wait a minute, I poured out my blood so that you could have life and have life more abundantly. Now, while I'm saying that, I already know mindsets are going like, I know that, but I'm, you know, you know what we really mean. Like, what I really mean is, what am I going to get out of it? Right, what's in it for you? If I put time in, what am I going to get out? 
But see, a covenant mindset begins to realize I have something to bring. And whether I get anything out of it or not, if I bring what I have, someone else gets something out of it. And my strength that God has given me will begin to overcome a weakness in somebody else. So together, we're stronger than we could be apart. See, the enemy loves for us to even get our church mindset apart from covenant and say, you know what, it doesn't matter if we go. We got our own things to do. And as soon as he hears that, he's like, great. They're separating themselves from the herd, and I'm roaming about like a roaring lion, and I'm seeking who I may devour. And what does a lion look for is the one separated from the herd, the one that's on his own, and he knows he can devour one separated from the herd. So we get that mindset, but if we can come back to my uh, covenant mindset and we're linked together and we're linked together by life and we're linked together by blood and the life is in the blood and, and God says when you break a blood covenant, it's worthy of death, which is what we deserved. But the breaking of the covenant that was worthy of death became evident in the death on the cross. He died the death that we should have died. For what purpose? that we might live the life that he ordained for us to live. So, as we enter into the marriage uh, mindset, and it'll just, it, it's going to take a little bit to unpack, but the marriage mindset, you say, why would you do that? God used par the parallel of marriage to his relationship with his church. As we'll look at, when there's trouble in marriage, God looks at difficulty that we're having in our life and we come and we cry out to him and he says listen you're crying out to me yet you're not giving attention to your own spouse there's things that are going on in our relationship with God that we're feeling troubled about but we've never paid attention to the other relationships around us he says listen you say that you love me but you despise your brother you put down or, or lowly esteem your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you think we should have a great... He said, if you can't love the people that you're around, how are you going to love me? See, God has a different mindset than we do, and we think, well, I can get away with not liking them because, you know, of what they did, what they said, all the things. But if we come into that covenant mindset and say, listen, we have to quickly put this aside. We have to quickly forgive and get beyond this because life is too short. Life is too important. My call to impact people is too, too uh, vital to be able to sit here and worry about and be upset about and mad about. And then say, I love God, while all the while I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to move forward with God. I'm imagining that God, you know, no matter what his word says, I'm imagining that God is okay with what I'm doing, yet his word says I'm not. And if we reconcile that quickly, we'll all of a sudden leave old things behind. We'll embrace this relationship. We'll get a hold of what got a hold of us. And the future will look different than the past. Young people don't check out because we talk about marriage, because in preparing for marriage, and the mindset you have about that is everything. It's everything. And so as we talk about this mindset of marriage and begin to look at it and understand it from a covenant perspective, you know, uh, some people have this mindset about marriage or did have this mindset about marriage, you know, but you know what, I've got these issues in my life 
And if I get married, that'll take care of it. Right? And I got loneliness in my life. If I get married, that will take care of it. If that's your issue, there's no lonelier place to be than in a marriage and be lonely. It's the greatest loneliness you ever felt. It doesn't take care of it. Yeah, I got a porn addiction, and when I get married, I'll lose it. No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll just drag somebody else into it. So the mindset, like if I got married, if I just had somebody, it'd take care of it. No, it's a wrong mindset about marriage. Marriage isn't to, for, to take care of everything that you have. You don't go into a marriage with all this need that you're, you're expecting somebody else to take care of. You're entering into a marriage, a covenant partnership. You're bringing strength into a marriage. You're bringing wisdom into a marriage. You're bringing gifts and talents into a marriage. And you're, you're looking and somebody else is bringing those things. Yes, there's weaknesses there, but you're looking at how do we join together and the two of us become stronger than we could ever be apart. See, the enemy takes our differences and he starts to work those in such a way that we feel weaker now that we're married instead of stronger. But understand this, if you don't have the right mindset and you think you're joined to Christ, but you see so many differences between what the word of God has for you and how you want to live life, you're working those differences contrary to one another instead of for one another. And God says, if we could look at this, you could see what I put in your life, what my call is, we're going to join together and you're going to be stronger with me for life every single day than you ever could be apart from me. And your Christianity won't look like a troublesome weakness. It will look like the greatest strength you ever engaged in. And so, you know, Joe McGee said this one time when he was doing a marriage uh, uh, retreat here. He said that marriage will show up or reveal selfishness quicker than anything. Quicker than anything. So love is a marriage covenant, right, to bring... Uh, strength, we uh, love covenant. And so, uh, again, our mindset about love, we'll get into this, but our mindset about love in the world that we live in today just gets to be a little bit messy. And so, you know, I just ask you, you know, what, if you're a young person, what's your mindset of marriage? To think back and, and when you entered into marriage, what was your mindset about marriage? And how can we change that mindset? We're not talking about busting everything up here while we're talking about this, but really helping ourselves to see and to understand marriage. And in doing so, we begin to look at other areas of our life that really will begin to bring us forward. Knowing this, that God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. So if you're married, you're thinking about getting married, you think you'll be married someday, God has given you what you need to be successful in marriage. In marriage. And again, marriage is this, the principles of God's word, uh, uh, just to introduce this so you're not just checking out on me because I'm not married. The, the principles of God's word are perfect principles. They're perfect principles. And every one of those principles has to do with relationship. The whole book, this whole book is about relationship. It's about being created for relationship with God. It's about somebody choosing their own way and breaking relationship, and then about reconciling relationship and how to live in that reconciled relationship. That's all the book's about. We see a bunch of stuff in there trying to determine, shuffle through, but it's all about God so desiring to have a covenant relationship with the man that he created. And the man that he created, not grasping the depth of that covenant relationship, wanting it to be his own way, having that covenant 
and not firm and not sealed and activated like it should be. So this, this book uh, of God's principles are perfect principles. They will always work perfectly. They work at a different level of relationship. So when we see Jesus talking about his relationship with the Father, everything is perfect. You have Jesus who's perfect, the Father who's perfect, the principles who are perfect. It works perfect. But then he gave us his word and he said, these perfect principles work best on the earth with me, a perfect entity, and a child of mine that's accepted the blood of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, washed and cleansed. So the next best thing to perfect is the man who's been redeemed. And these principles work really well between a redeemed believer and their relationship with God. And then he said they work a little bit differently, not so perfectly, between two human beings who are born again and filled with the Spirit of God. If they understand that, these principles will work at a very high level. And then when we begin to operate in this, this, these principles when we're reaching out to the world, they still work. The world uses these principles to become successful without ever even acknowledging Jesus as the source. Because the principles work. They're perfect principles. So as we talk about these principles of relationship, they'll work in any area of your life, but they most dynamically work in a covenant between a man and a woman in marriage. It's one of the highest levels that God ordained for man to walk in, in the likeness of his relationship with himself. With himself. Are you all with me? So open your Bibles with me to Malachi in chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2, we're going to go to the Message Bible, Caleb. You might take notes and highlight. I don't know if we'll get this up here. He'll probably do it quick enough. I didn't send any scripture to them, so we're running old school. Starting in verse 13, he said, and here's a second offense. You can look at some other things that he's talked about here. You fill the place of worship with your whining and sniveling, Because you don't get what you want from God. Do you know why? Because God doesn't like me, apparently. No, that's not why. Simple. Because God was there as a witness when you spoke your marriage vows to your young bride. And now you've broken those vows. Broken the faith bond with your vowed companion. Your covenant wife. God not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. And what does he want from marriage? Children of God, that's what. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. Guard the spirit of marriage in you. Guard the spirit of marriage in you. In you. He's talking to a people, and in this he's talking about a specific, but I believe he's talking about how they got out of their relationship with him is because what the spirit of marriage, the spirit of covenant that they had with God, if they would have just carried that over into their marriage relationship, it would have been better. Don't cheat on your spouse. I hate divorce, says the God of Israel. God of angels' army says, I hate the violent dismemberment of the one flesh of marriage. 
So watch yourself. Don't let your guard down. Don't cheat. You make God tired with all your talk. How do we tire him? Malachi, I love this. He asks, God, God says something. They're like, what do we do? How do we tire him, you ask? By saying, God loves sinners and sin alike. God loves all. And also by saying, judgment, God's too nice to judge. He said, when all of a sudden we don't realize who God is, and that God loves sinners, but he doesn't love sin, and that God will judge sin, he's, not, he's too loving to not judge sin. So we hear that. We hear that in our culture today. We're not conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed. But our world is trying to say, listen, if God is loving, how could he judge you? Really, uh, sin and the sinner go together. If you don't love the sin the sinner's committing, you can't possibly love the sinner. But we have to distinguish the difference between the sin that they're in and who they are. Because God makes that distinction. And the reason he hates the sin that the sinner is in, because it's killing and destroying them, and it has separated them fully from the divine relationship they were created to enjoy. And our relationship with God is created that we enjoy that relationship, but we cannot when there's always that struggle between what we want and what he wants. And again, marriage in a relationship can come to that same struggle. I want something different than they want. As we begin to talk about this, if you are not married and you are, 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 are desirous to be married, it's a good time to start taking notes to understand how do I find a person that, that really God has set up for me. There's not just one person in the world. There, there's people. But how do I prepare myself to step into a covenant? And then how do I find the right covenant partner without being overwhelmed by appearance, without being overwhelmed by talk, without being overwhelmed by, uh, uh, you know, uh, expectation? How do I really step into prayer and finding the person that I can live the rest of my life in a divine covenant with? Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22, Paul lines out to us this parallel and this great uh, structure of marriage. He says, uh, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as Christ is subject to, uh, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, so no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Wow. So there's a lot going on there. And we're just going to have to unpack this. But I believe, again, God spoke to us when we began to uh, uh, pastor the church. He said, you'll build a strong church through strong marriages. Strong church just through strong marriages. Here in just a, a little bit, you'll see an announcement come up for a marriage small group. I, I suggest that you get involved in that. Uh, we're going to go over uh, 10 mindsets <clears throat> that we can look at 
that I believe will help us break out of a fixed mindset. So many people come into a marriage fixed mindset. This is how it has to be. This is how it's always been. This is how my mom and daddy lived. And this is how it should be. And when it's not that way, it either causes trouble or people say, I'm out of here. Praise the Lord. And so uh, as we begin to look at this and begin to understand, uh, we'll just go through these 10 things. So uh, the number one thought that we'll go through, I'll go through all 10 of them, and then, then uh, we'll close, and we can pick up uh, in a couple of weeks. So number one, the number one mindset is to think about this, that problems are opportunities. Amen. Problems are opportunities, right? The Bible says that. You know, two are better than one. Two are better than one. Doesn't mean there's not going to be problems. We're taking two, he says, it's a great mystery. You're taking two people who came up from different backgrounds, different upbringings. They're different genders. They have different giftings and callings. And God says, I'm going to put those together as one. You're like, my God, how does that work? doesn't matter if you grew up in the United States. You have a different culture. You were brought up in a different family culture that are different. And God says it's a great mystery how you can fit all that together. But supernaturally, God can put you together, join you in a covenant, link you together. Lock you together, just so everybody's not worried. Most of these people are working, and they're getting ready to greet. Uh, I don't think they're leaving because they don't like what we're talking about. So it's not a mass exodus of, praise the Lord. If it is, we just lost a lot of workers. <laughs> and if we lost that many workers because we're talking about marriage, we, that just proves why we need to talk about marriage. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So our differences make us actually stronger in God's mind, not weaker. So I use this in premarital counseling. You know, we like it. Society likes it. If you put together, you know, you put the prom king and the prom queen together in high school, and you're like, wow, this looks awesome. Look at, don't they match up just perfectly? Isn't this wonderful? They're such a great couple. But if I asked you to pull my hands apart, grab my wrist and pull my hands apart, you'd have some difficulty. Or not difficulty. It wouldn't be very difficult. I'm going to push together. But simply saying, listen, there's strengths and weaknesses here. And I'm going to yield and learn. And I'm going to move my strengths over to fold into their weaknesses. It looks a little bit more clunky. We don't like our marriage to look clunky. But marriage is clunky. If it's going to be strong, it gets a little clunky. But now if I tell them to pull that apart. So the devil knows if I can get you convinced, your mindset is we got to look just, we got to look alike. We got to look pretty. Everything's got to look just right. He's like, if I can get you with that mindset, I can just bring something and I can pull you apart. But if you can get the mindset, listen, you have weaknesses and I have strengths. And I have weaknesses and you have strengths. And if we could learn about those and I could be secure enough to let your strength fold into my weakness. And you could be secure enough to let my strength fold into your weakness. We'll be together forever. And the enemy cannot pull us apart. Now listen, if you're, if you're, you're in a situation, maybe your, your marriage has been pulled apart. Maybe you're not married yet. Listen, this is the same principle with God. He wants us to link together. Not just come to church and say, I went to church. Doesn't that look good? Don't I look like a good Christian? He says, it might look clunky. But if I could get you to let me fold into your weakness, 
and I could develop your strengths, we'd be locked together that the enemy would never be able to pull us apart. All right, I can't preach every one of these points. All right. Number two, caring for yourself doesn't have to be selfish. Caring for yourself doesn't have to be selfish. Listen, sometimes we do everything in the world. We exercise, we work out, we eat right, we fix our hair, we do everything, we dress nice to attract that person to be our spouse, and then afterwards we eat whatever we want, we don't exercise, we do all these things, and then we wonder why is things coming apart? Come on, taking care of yourself shows value to your spouse. So when you take care of yourself, Intellectually, you grow and you learn about marriage and about things of life. When you take care of yourself physically, your soul, your spirit, when you take care of that, it can be selfish, but it doesn't have to be. You can be showing value by growing in your own life to bring to your marriage life. For every woman that married that man with a six-pack and now she just sees a cooler... She's wondering. <laughs> just saying. Number three. I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Number three. And just write these down. We'll cover all these. Number, I'm just giving you a preview of what's to come after our camp meeting month. Uh, love, mindset. Love has more than one dimension. Love has more than one dimension. Number four. Love, uh, intimacy is the key, not sex. Intimacy is the key and not sex. Number five, relationships have a life of their own. Relationships have a life of their own. Praise the Lord. Number six, you can't change your spouse. Number seven, you have to make marriage a priority. Number eight, All right, number, where, where are we at? Seven, make marriage a priority. Number eight, forgiveness and gratitude make for a happier marriage. Forgiveness and gratitude make for a happier marriage. Number nine, work on the sanctity of your marriage. Marriage is sacred. Marriage is sacred. You can't let everybody, everybody in, everything into your marriage. It's sacred. And number 10, focus on what you have. Focus on what you have. We're going to cover those 10 mindsets about marriage. I believe that they will change. Come, listen. Please, please, please don't think, well, I'm single. I'm not married. Uh, this is going to impact, as Paul said, we are talking about marriage, but even beyond that, we're talking about Christ and his church and the covenant relationship and how a covenant relationship works. It'll help you in being the bride of Christ, but it will also help in the marriage. When we see this in the marriage, supernatural things will begin to happen and spring forth from your relationship because there's power. There's power in that covenant union. Amen. Praise the Lord. You got. Oh, you have a parking announcement. All right. Why don't you stand up?
Father, we thank you so much uh, for this time that we have together. As we started with, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that redeemed us, sealed us. Through that blood, we have a covenant with you. That when we plead the blood, we declare we are covenant partners with the Almighty God. Father, even today, I pray that you bring a greater revelation, even though we're just unpacking, we're just opening this up. Help each one of us bring to the forefront of our thinking the covenant that we have through the blood of Jesus. That it's the first thing, the foremost thing in our thinking every day. That because of the blood, we're washed, we're cleansed. The guilt and the shame is to be gone. That we have a relationship with you. The Holy Spirit lives within us because of that covenant. To lead us, to guide us, to empower us. Help us to take on that way of thinking every day. So that we might overcome the challenges and see the success. Override the failures with the understanding that we are victorious in you. That you always cause us to triumph as we live our life in that covenant relationship fully joined to you. Minister to every heart and every life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Sorry, I forgot to make this announcement. And it's important because it's about next Saturday. So we won't have another Sunday. But after Pastor Mark's message, I do want to say, I think this is going to be so great, this ministry on marriage mindsets to our families. And we all know somebody who really can benefit from being here, whether they're not married yet, whether they are married or, you know, wherever they are. So invite people to come for, for the rest of this series. But also, um, so the parking announcement is this. Um, we are going to utilize the space that is right in front of the Canyon Creek storage. So if you are serving in the meetings for uh, Todd White this week, we are definitely going to utilize that. So park over there, and it will leave more spaces in our lot for those who are coming later. But that's the perfect location to park if you are serving, because then you'll just enter through that back door. So... Sorry, I forgot to make that announcement, but we're going to utilize that space. Make sure that you are, are parking there. All right. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> All right. We want to pray over this uh, cloth. Um, uh, for this person uh, had surgery on their foot, and it's not healing uh, as they said it would. So let's pray over this. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus Again, we thank you for that great covenant that we have. That through that covenant, the blood of Jesus was shed when he went to that whipping post and he bore stripes upon his back. That he paid the price in his body for what sin had done in, in, in bringing sickness and disease and pain to the human body. He bore it in his body. And your word declares that by his stripes, we are healed. And so we extend our faith and lay claim to that healing power that was purchased and paid for by your own blood and released towards us when you raised from the dead that we truly might execute 
power and authority over all the strategies of the enemy. Meaning sickness and disease. Pain in the human body. So we thank you for healing power. Being released into this cloth. And when it goes out of this cloth into that body. That it begins a healing and a cure. A release from pain. Makes the adjustment to bring everything back to how you created it to be. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Say so as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. If you need prayer for anything, altar workers will be up here to pray with you and stand with you uh, for anything you would need prayer for. You can be dismissed.